Britt, hello. Hi. How you doing? Great. How are you? Good. Does this feel <laughs> weird that we're recording a conversation between the two of us? Absolutely. Why? Because <laughs> you're across the table from me and normally you'd be sitting beside me and yeah, we got our hands all over each other <laughs> while we're having conversations, right? Yeah, this isn't normal. This is like business. This yeah. is like a, a date formal. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it, but here we are. Well, we're trying new things, right? <laughs> sometimes it's sometimes it's new kinky shit and sometimes it's uh, <laughs> microphones and conversation. Here we go. <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers. Drinking some Saldo, one of our favorite wines. Yeah, it's a good one. So yeah, we've never really we've never really recorded conversation, and it shouldn't, in theory, be any different. But there's a couple things that it it does make different right away. The first one is that most people choose their words more carefully because um, they feel like somebody's listening, even though it's really just you and I, right? It's yeah. just a computer, yeah, recording it, yeah, as if our brains aren't doing the same thing, but it feels different, right? Yeah. So if you feel like you're choosing your words more carefully, sometimes that's a good thing. But the other half of it is making sure that you know and that I know that we're like safe and free to talk about anything. Yeah. And it really just is you and I. That's it. It's just a computer. Yeah. No one's here to hear us. Nobody is here to hear <laughs> if, if there is, I'm sure they'll enjoy it's, it anyway. It's the ghost in the Banff Springs. That's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the only other. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we should say we're in the Fairmont, uh, Fairmont Banff Springs, like one of the nicest um, hotels in Canada. Stunning. It's got a stunning view <laughs> of the mountains. The sun is just cracking through the clouds. Yeah. It's a massive valley view in between two mountains that's covered in coniferous trees uh, with a few little deciduous bloops of yellow yeah. thrown into the middle in a late day in fall. Yeah, right? stunning. Stunning. Love it. <laughs> um, and we're here uh, partly because it's a long weekend, which is convenient. Um, but we're here for something... Um, a little bit more significant in this part in this conversation is part of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm stressed. <laughs> you're stressed. Yeah. Well, and so, you know, not to drag things out a bit, but we've had, we've had a few moments like where it's just like a very intentional, very big conversation in our, in our past. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we're coming up on, I've almost known you three years. Yeah. Which is wild. Like, and you know, it's been kind of on again, off again, ambiguous, whatever. Like, it doesn't feel like a very traditional relationship in most ways, from it being like non monogamous to um, we're dating, we're not dating, we don't have labels, it's exclusive. You meet my family. Shit, you came on a cruise with my family two months into dating. <laughs> we're just not doing anything the way that anybody else does it, right? Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's been hard for both of us in that sense because, um, uh, we're not following most of the assumptions that you assume that you can make about somebody that you're dating or seeing or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's led to a lot more difficult conversations and between you being, you know, uh, more anxious and me being more avoidant. And then also the non-monogamous element has mm-hmm. just like played on all of our fears and insecurities Yeah, in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But like when you think back over the last three years, are there any like these kind of conversations that you're like, hey, this one mattered? Like these yeah. are the ones that stand out. Like yeah. what, what comes to mind for you? Um, for sure, the day by the river. Day where, by. yeah, where you had opened up to me about wanting to kind of explore um, like polyamory and, and not even necessarily that, but just opening up and sharing that, you know, you were going to, 
open that up to me and wasn't quite sure how I was going to respond to that. And instead of me maybe reacting in the same pat or like ways that I would have in, um, previously, I showed up in a different way. And I think that that was one of the most beautiful conversations that we've ever had. Yeah, <laughs> sure it was. Yeah, no, the beauty there was um, I had realized that something really resonates to me about how I want to live my life. And it wasn't about necessarily dating multiple people. It was just the the idea of like just showing up to human connection in the way that that connection presents itself as the most exciting and fulfilling for both people, right? And so whether yeah. it's multiple physical connections or multiple emotional connections or how I spend my time, um, is just led, it was like, hey, I'm just gonna leave this door open to people that maybe I used to just work with them, but now it could become more of a friendship or maybe that friend could be more of a romantic or maybe that romantic, we could actually start a business together. And there's just a lot more room for that fluidity, mm-hmm. which is scary because it basically takes down any of the other security that you might have felt. And even at that point, we weren't dating like in any real official capacity, mm-hmm. um, we were just kind of seeing each other like once or twice a week tops and then kind of, you know, building our own lives a little bit independently. So for me to then say like, I'm getting into a situation where I really care about you, but I also really care about other people. Mm-hmm. And I realized the idea of having to choose is completely socially constructed. Yeah. And that we're just not used to it because it brings out jealousy and insecurity, but those things you can work through. So when I brought this to you, it was coming from a place of like, an invitation, but also like s- sincere vulnerability to say, Hey, like this is how I'm going to live my life. And I, and I can understand that when most people, like I can imagine most of the people that I've dated, if I were to tell them that, yeah, I know that this has kind of been like somewhat exclusive or at least, you know, working in that direction. And then I say, listen, that's not going that way. And I never will. And I'm not doing that. I'm not playing that. I'm not playing out that relationship escalator and, and, uh, anymore that can be hard to hear. And I think most people, I assumed that most people would not want to be a part of that. And I had come to the place that if you had said, yeah, I'm out. Um, and especially because it was already, it was in tandem inviting Maddie into like closer into my life. And you had a lot of insecurity about my relationship with her Mm -hmm. anyway. So it was almost like affirming the fact that your insecurity was based in fact, right? Mm -hmm. And it just evolved to get to that point. And you're like, damn it, I knew it all along. (laughs) Um, Like I knew that what I was bringing you was both an invitation, but also I didn't know if that would actually create more distance as a result of it, Mm -hmm. right? So it was a huge amount of vulnerability and, and yet certainty. Right. I was like, because it's not hard to do the right thing when you know that it's the right thing, mm-hmm. right? And it resonated at my core. Um, and I've had these little breakthroughs a few times and we've had these kinds of conversations. But yeah, I mean, that was for sure, that's the biggest one that sticks out in my mind. Yeah, I think that that is just one of my favorite conversations that we've ever had. And I was even surprised by the way that I could show up to that. But yeah, I, th- I think that and then there's a lot of little other like micro ones that we've had in between where, you know, while we were while you were dating Maddie as well and like the way that you would show up to conversations or the way that we could actually talk through something, I think was really important and really special. Like anytime I felt something, I could bring it up to you and you you were able to have a conversation with me where it was still very loving and understanding and it didn't feel like I was being unreasonable. Like you were just open to having the conversations and allowing me to show up and to 
whatever I was feeling, I felt like I could express it. And I think that was really important because it just, it made me feel just a little bit more accepted versus like there's something wrong, right? Like you're allowed to have feelings, you're allowed to express them and you can talk through them and it doesn't have to create distance between two people. And by voicing something, it can actually bring you closer together. Totally. I, I love that. I think it's also learning how to bring things up in the right way yes. so that yeah, that too. <laughs> so that it creates that safety for the other person, right? Uh, yes. Right. So that I feel I feel safe holding space for you because I don't feel like it's at my expense or like I'm being attacked and, and I just am supposed to like take it. But if it comes from a place of like, hey, like I'm trying to build connection, I want to be able to share this with you and mm -hmm. it's in a you know, um, a reasonable tone, whatever, at a reasonable hour, that makes a big difference for how people can show up to a um, to to that invitation to connection. One thousand percent. And so this this might be a little off topic, but I had this Girl, you don't even know what the topic is. I don't even know what the topic is. But I read something or I was listening to a podcast and it was talking about the anxious and avoid avoidant attachment styles and how so much of it is like focused on the anxious person and how they feel and, um, you know, certain things that the avoidant does that makes the anxious person feel this way. But it really is the exact same way for the avoidant when the anxious person is doing these things that person feels just as unsafe totally. as the anxious. So it's like you have these two people that feel unsafe. And then how can you how can you come together and create that more like secure relationship? When really I I never thought of it like that. I just thought the avoidant like didn't care, like whatever. But like how that just like it really hurt my heart to think that you don't ever want to make someone feel unsafe. Or feel like they can't. Yeah. Well, and, and I think you're right. I mean, it's not that the uh, anxious has the heart of gold and and the avoidant has the heart of stone, right? Yeah. So they both yeah. can have hearts of gold, but they just show up to the same conflict in in opposite ways. Yeah. Right. It's like fight versus flight. We don't put yeah. we don't put uh, you know you you want to fight because you want to talk about it and you want to figure it all out. And I'm like, yo, give me space. I need to process. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so. It was my hairdresser who was like, you got to read this book attached <laughs> that completely changed my ability to show up to a relationship with you and vice versa. Once we both read it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, truly extraordinary. Um, so the best conversations we've ever had have been very memorable. The one that I was going to say was the one, uh, earlier this summer at Earl's on the patio. Oh yeah. That was a good one too. And the kind of feeling of that one was I had just gone through a breakup, like a very heart wrenching breakup. Um, in March and by April, May, June, I was like, Oh my God, like I'm just, I was in the trenches and I was trying to make sense of a lot of things and I barely showed up to work and I just like grab, I'd roll a joint, grab my notebook and walk by the river and just cry and think and write and try and process and try and understand and try and <sighs> and to try and like, at that point it was like, okay, she did what she did and I'm angry, but I'm still stuck because I'm angry. Mm -hmm. So I got to figure that out. And so that led me down the road of, um, of realizing that, wow, I've, I've spent the last four months, which I think, you know, will happen, but I spent the last four months trying to make sense of the past 
and it had so much of my mental energy had gone into exploring what hurt that I had forgotten to appreciate like what I have. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it became like, I got impatient with myself that I was still dealing with the stuff and I was like, can enough. And that's what actually had to happen is I had to get to a point where I was like, enough of this shit. Mm-hmm. Like, like I've done all of this now. You're now sick of your own shit. Sick of my own shit. And, um, and, and coming to that conversation, I didn't know where it was going to go because it was, it was like we were doing the growth in live time. So I came to you and said, yeah, like I know I've been distant and I'm sorry about that. And then, and then I realized that I had meant that within the context of only having been distant for that weekend. Like it had been a few days. Mm-hmm. It was like, actually, it's been a couple weeks no, wait, I haven't felt really connected to you in months. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, I feel like I'm here now. Like I felt more present than I had felt in a long time. And part of that was because I did like the Tony Robbins course and yeah. I was like taking care of my body. One of the things about that conversation was I showed up being like, wow, I haven't felt connected in a long time. Like I want to connect now. And the real realization for me in that conversation was that the minute that I decided to turn back towards you, what had happened was because I'd felt so emotionally disconnected from you for months, during those months, you had also gone through some growth and learned some stuff and kept working on things and been reading and listening to podcasts and like developed a bit more of a vocabulary than you had before. And so when I showed back up, I was kind of refreshed and surprised to see, oh, we're like, we, there's more depth here now. Like there's more mm-hmm. ability for us to connect on these levels. And I got excited about that. And then suddenly I was like, well, what else, what other box have I put you in? What other parts of you have I missed out on appreciating and experiencing? Because I have considered you the way that you used to be and then Mm -hmm. detached and then went through all of my pain in isolation. Yeah. And so it just led to me then continually, like every five minutes, pushing the ante of bringing up things that made me uncomfortable, bringing up things that I felt like we hadn't talked about that we could talk about. And you were able to meet me at all of those. And so I was like, wow, like, you know, so the math of this in both of those conversations, the one by the river, um, the one at the Earl's patio is when one person like takes a stab of vulnerability and just like jumps into that vulnerability Mm -hmm. and then the other person matches it, then you've got that connection, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I appreciate that every time. Yeah. Um, this is going to be one of those conversations. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) all right what's what's the topic (laughs) i've been waiting like over three hours or four hours maybe to hear this (laughs) yeah um it's a little ambiguous but i'm i'm kind of trying to do the, the same thing where i'm in the throes of trying to figure some stuff out and i know the general direction where it's going and the details don't make any sense to me at all um but as you know a couple days ago I called you and I was like in tears and I was like stressed. Um, And it was primarily because the government had made an announcement that if you weren't vaccinated, that you couldn't fly or take trains or Mm -hmm. any sort of like federally regulated transportation within Canada. Right. And while it's kind of a separate discussion, I am becoming more and more opposed to the vaccine on the basis of the principles and not the context. I don't care about whether it's a vaccine or whether I had to get a, a a red circled dot tattoo on my arm, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm just not, I'm not there for the way that we're going as a society. Um, and what that sparked in me was the realization that 
Um, you know, I look at Australia right now in Australia, they're rioting, right? And the yeah. news doesn't really cover it because um, the news is literally owned by governments in most countries, even here. Um, and so they don't talk about it. And it's, I just see like so much conflict building in Australia and in, in Europe, but actually in Europe, the protests worked and they actually backed off of some of their mandates. Um, for vaccines because um, enough people showed up and were like, mm -hmm. we're not okay with this. Mm -hmm. And that's just not happening in Canada, right? Like, yeah. it's like, And even in the States, it's just very quiet. Right, you don't hear about it. No. You don't hear about it. Um, but the problem's universal um, and it has so much momentum uh, and so little resistance generally because there's so much fear baked into the reasoning for why you should get the vaccine. Um, and I'm not there to try and convince anybody else what they should or shouldn't do with their body. The point I'm trying to convince people that they should have choice. Mm -hmm. Like I understand you have to have a driver's license. I understand, you know, you, you got to like check these social boxes to fit in with society. But what happens on the inside of your skin should never, never be forced on a person. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's it. Like that, that's your body. Like if not that, then what, what's left? Right. Yeah. Um, and so it was very frightening to me to hear um, that basically you're not welcome in Canada, and you're not well, and you're not allowed to leave because mm -hmm. you can't cross the border. Like the state's border right now, this you, the American border is closed, um, so you can't drive across it unless you're an American citizen, which I'm not. Um, and you can fly, and you can get a rapid test, right? And it's good for seventy two hours, and that'll get you in. Um, and so right now I could fly to the States, mm -hmm. um, but I couldn't drive except that the Canadian government is changing the rules so that I can't get on a plane from the Canadian side. Yeah. So I can't drive across the border and can't fly and I can't fly. And the only border that Canada has functionally is the United States. Yeah. And then once you're in the United States, most many places don't give a shit about this stuff. Yeah. There's, I mean, Florida, Texas, Colorado, they've all got, everyone's got different rules, but once you're in, you're good. Oh God, are you planning on moving? <laughs> sort of, sort of. So what the thing that I just want to say before we get into the, the tangibles of this is when I called you, I was just in panic mode. I was like, what the fuck do I do? Right? Do I stay? And just, and then I'm like trapped in a country. <laughs> like, like does it, is that like years of my life? Um, this is the, this is the, the episode you wanted to record. <laughs> or do I, um, do I go? And I had no idea what go meant. I have no idea. I still don't. Um, and then I realized that I had a really big problem with, uh, whether this was a push or a pull. And so I'm being, I feel like I'm being pushed out of where I am because I'm not welcome here as a citizen. Like I can't even go to the bar without a legal paperwork right now. And as of the end of November, I can't get on a flight without paperwork that I don't know how to get. Um, but I don't want to just like run away because then I'm because the, my whole point is to be able to control my own body, and if I'm just running, 
then I'm not in control anymore, right? You're just doing it to avoid. Then I'm just, yeah, then I'm just stuck doing whatever society makes me do, which is like, how different is that than getting a vaccine, right? Um, except for it's still a choice because, because if you get the vaccine, like there's no authentic uh, science that has been presented with that is coming from a place without bias right now. Like even the scientific journals that publish stuff about this vaccine, they're funded by the pharmaceutical companies that want to sell this shit. <laughs> it's crazy. Like the CDC literally is funded by Pfizer. So the choice is still that, okay, well, it's not in my body. I'm me. I'm a human. And the Canada that I believed in and the way that I thought I could cross borders before and the validity of a, a, doc, a piece of paper that tells me that I can go into a bar, like this is all getting a little bit irrational when it was used to be about stopping a virus that we already know that we mathematically cannot stop mm-hmm. with a vaccine that doesn't actually work. So the choice then had to be, I'm not going to run from something, but I need to run to something. And so I had to do this mental gymnastics, which I've done at other points in my life, including the breakup with Maddie. And honestly, like half of the hard conversations that you and I have had, it's been, this sucks. This really sucks. I don't like this dynamic. I don't like the way that we've been approaching each other in this relationship. I don't like the way, you know, I lose a client at work. I don't like that I lost that client. And the mental gymnastics has always been in any of these other situations it's the realization that that is still just an opportunity to learn something first and foremost, and to refocus and reframe that context for an opportunity to do something different and new. And that's, so I called you and I was in a place of confusion, anger, despair, I was hurt. I feel betrayed by the country I live in. I have family that won't see me. I don't know how long I'll even have a job doing what I do. And I have friends that have told me that they're not comfortable being in the same room as me. And I would love to be wrong. (laughs) But the reality is we'll never find out who's right and wrong when there's so much oppression on the actual quality of the public discourse that's actually happening. And so trust is completely er eroded in many facets of my life. And therefore the feeling of stability and of this world, like the, the life I built for myself, like the carpet is being pulled out from under me in a very real way. And so then it became, okay, but what do I do with this? Because I'm not just going to run from something that I'm just stuck. I'm just stuck. And then I realized that there's a number of different things that had been popping up into my life different uh, at, over the last few weeks, even last couple months, random conversations, random comments people have made, other uh, things that people have done. And it all just kind of realized like there's like percolating around me. It's really hard to describe. I don't have a good metaphor for this yet, but it's almost like, it's almost like being on like on a sandy beach and somebody saying, Hey, have you ever heard of a starfish? And you're like, I've never heard of a starfish. Mm -hmm. And then they start describing it for you. And then you realize that there's starfishes all over the beach and you didn't notice that they were there until somebody put the idea together for you. And then you're like, Oh my God, I see the pattern. I see that they're everywhere. I get it now. And for me, the realization has been 
that, yes, I've wanted a podcast. Yeah. Um, I want to write. And I don't know if you've like remembered, but I've made comments about like, I'm ready to go on a trip. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to like take off for like six months or whoever and just see where I end up. Um, I thought that was like a couple years away. (laughs) Me too. Me too. Um, I went to the ocean last weekend, flew to Vancouver and it was like, I I was, I felt like free and alive because I didn't, I I had like this, uh, explorer, wanderer kind of mentality. Um, I know my neighbor who, uh, Alex, she lives on the same floor as me. She's like 40 years old and she just, she's had such a tough year. Like mental health has been really tough quarantine, the whole thing. And I ran into her at the parkade last weekend. She was packing up her car and I was like, what's going on? She says, Josh, the most wonderful things have happened. She says, Last year I went to the uh, UK um, and I was just going for a couple of weeks and I met somebody and I'm moving and I just quit my job and I sold everything and I'm free. And she had this lightness to her as she's telling this story and all the details about how he proposed and what her, what his family's like over there. And she had this like energy that I was like, I have, this is incredible because for the year and a half that I've lived in the same building as her, she's been sad, quiet, miserable, mm-hmm. wonderful person. But like you could see like such a heaviness that she was carrying right. <laughs> and like see that change. You know, one of my best friends and my cousin Darcy wholesale a couple months ago, just picked up his life after living in Edmonton for seven years and just moved to Georgia for a one year contract. I'm like, whoa, how do you justify that man? He's like, you just do it. You figure it out. Like that's just the next step. And I'm like, man, I love that. Like I'm proud of you. So when I start adding up all of these little conversations and experiences I've had, I realize that there's never going to be a good time, but that I might be running out of time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do this now. Um, and I don't know what now even means still. Um, but my, I'm not just running away from something now. Now I realize that I'm actually like motivated very passionately and intrinsically to do the things that I've talked about. That's the writing, the podcast. I'm going to share the ideas that I have and share my ability to connect with other people and to raise the quality of important conversations. This probably isn't the conversation you want to record this one because I'm kind of speechless. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I can understand that this feels a bit stunning. I'm stunned. I can feel myself shutting down and I don't want to, but. I love you so much. I love you. And I want you to like, I want you to follow your heart. There's something, this is actually really important. I wrote this down the other day. Yeah. Follow your heart first, hands second, and ears third, and then open your eyes. Mm. And you, it doesn't matter like how much it hurts or how much I don't want you to go. You have to follow 
what you feel passionate about. And you have to do what feels true to you. And if that means, I, I don't even know where you're talking about going. or, <laughs> um, And I don't want to think about it. But, but by being upset about it, Is only being selfish. No, I don't think so. I'm upset about it. Like, is this like a for sure? This is happening. Nothing's for sure. I'm I'm full steam ahead trying to make this for sure, but I can't predict the future. Because what would happen then if you, in the States, if they did do the same thing as Canada? Or will that ever happen? I don't know. I don't know enough about this. Yeah. Um, if they did, I think it would take a while and it would be very difficult to enforce because there's a lot of people that would be right. extremely against it. You know, if yeah. Texas and Florida. So, let me, I mean, I don't want to just like steamroll the emotional weight that this can feel like. Um, but I think it's something that we'll have to unpack together over time as well. So it's not like you got to process it. And just but there okay isn't much it. time. I don't know. So here's where, here's where things are at. We're still waiting to see what the American government does for regulations for who can go into the US because right now you can go in with a uh, 72 hour test and that's fine. That's it. So right now I could pick up and I could go to the States. Um, so the States is an option. It's to me the most logical option because it leaves the door open to stay in any of the 48 contiguous States. Um, you know, from, Washington to California to Florida to Delaware. I can, that's a, that's a big place. Um, my goal is to wander, to travel, to hitchhike, to buy 400, $500 cars and drive as far as they'll take me to my next destination. I want to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And then, uh, at some point I feel like you, it's funny that you said, you know, follow your heart first and second, your ears third. And then open your eyes. And then open your eyes. And it's like, where does that take you? It takes me to Mexico, actually. Because <laughs> um, if I'm going to like be quasi homeless and wandering, fucking beach sounds pretty nice. <laughs> um, but the big trick right now is if I go into the States, they'll let me go into Mexico. No problem. It's literally like you, nobody will stop you to go into Mexico. But how does that work then? Because you can only be over there for a certain amount of time. Or this, why? This is, this is the part that made me passionate. This is the part that makes me not feel like I'm running anymore is the realization that there is a much more fulfilling life that is available to all of us. Once we pull back the artificial limitations that society has put into our heads about what you can and can't do. What I'm looking for, the kind of the goal that I have is to explore throughout this process, to journal, to write, to record videos, share this online and build up a following of people that are also asking the same question of what does life look like from the perspective of people that are willing to do what it takes to make their dreams come true and willing to strip back the limitations that society put, tries to put on them. And I want to explore that from my perspective in doing this. And every time I travel, I meet incredible people with remarkable stories. And so I get to cultivate this experience of realizing, wow, there are some tenacious motherfuckers out there that are trying to live their life despite the bullshit that they are, that they are dished out and what inspires them. Where does that passion come from? 
What are they trying to accomplish? Mm-hmm. And what have they lost that hasn't stopped them yet? And I think I'll be able to empathize very strongly because I'm walking away from a life that used to feel stable and safe and warm and welcoming. And I still have those people, but I don't have the existence. And so I choose to embrace that that role of not being truly welcome in hopes of exploring what it's like to just be a human walking on a planet. Like what about Sean and Shania? Sean, Shania, my mom, Gary, my dad. Everyone. My, my grandma, you. Matt, Paige, the other Matt, like all my friends. And the reality is that everywhere I'm going, um, there will be opportunities for people to come to me. And I intend to live a life and to build a life, even if it's transitory, because kind of, I like that. I mean, you know me, like I'm not somebody for routine, stability, familiarity. I'm always just doing things. I'm taking weird roads. And I'm doing things that I've never done. And I like that. I like that chaos. I thrive in it. It makes me feel alive. It's where all of my inspiration for what I write comes from is pushing against what I think is normal or acceptable or usual or usual to me. Right? So by doing that, I'm going to be able to cultivate something that's extremely powerful. And I think that I would, I'm going to make money doing this. I genuinely think that I can get enough support through online platforms that people are like, I want him to be able to do this because watching him do it inspires me to change the way that I show up to my life. Yeah. And so it's like, I'm giving up something, but what I look at when I'm giving up, I don't think any of it's permanent. I think that this stuff will pass, but I would rather live my life in service of these higher ideals than stay close to home because of people that I love. I mean, I lived in, I'm only living in Calgary because I didn't want to leave Vishon and Shania because they're in wheelchairs and they'll need help. And then I find out that, man, you know what? They don't need They help. don't need help. Yeah. They got, they got help and they're so independent. And one of them wants to move to Toronto. The other wants to move to Edmonton. So when do I get to yeah. <laughs> spread my wings and do that? Um, the one that really, I mean, the one that honestly hurts the most because it feels like it could be the most permanent... My grandma turns 90. Yeah. And most likely I'll be, have left the country just before her 90th birthday. And I don't know when I'll, I don't know how long I'll have to not be in Canada. But grandparents die. (laughs) That's part of life. And a lot of us don't get to choose a goodbye. And I get to both choose one and keep the optimism open that it's not really goodbye at all. I could be home in six months. I could be home in two years. I have no idea. I think I'm having a hard time with this because I... I can see the positives and the benefits, but like I can't quite get it out yet. And like we may have to revisit this. Like, I'm not ready for you to be gone, but at the same time, it's like. I don't handle change as well as you do. (laughs) And this is a big one. You're for sure, like, the most important person in my life. And you've just been there for 
you know, so much of the growth that I've gone through in the past two years. And you've motivated me in so many ways and pushed me in so many ways. And yeah, it just feels like It matters. This is counted. It really does. It feels like a breakup. I'm not saying that this story is like over. But it, I don't know what it would ever look like. And I, we just like see where that takes us, right? So, and I'm not trying to like leave doors open or like string people along. Like for all intents and purposes, I'm going away and I'm living my life. Um, but it's not out of a desire to get away from you. So it's like a, it's like a circumstantial breakup more than a, it's like when two kids get out of high school and they find out they're going to different colleges and that kind of a thing. And one of the, one of the things that I have done very poorly in our relationship the entire time has been to show you gratitude and to express that because when I get avoidant, when I pull back, I'm doing so on the basis of the things that I don't like. And then I'm fixating on those by pulling back from you. Right. And then when we figure stuff out, we're talking about, okay, well, how do we solve this? But at almost no point am I truly expressing gratitude towards you. I've done a terrible job of that. And he said something to the effect of, you just keep pointing out what isn't working. You just keep you just keep pointing it out, and I don't even know if you're happy. And I was like, oh. and I thought, about, I thought about that all night, and I thought about that since. You've made that abundantly clear, and I was like, yeah, you're right. I haven't been doing that. Whether it's now, if, you, if you're feeling like you have the emotional headspace for it, or if it's very soon from now, I want to be able to tell you, like, in detail, how grateful I am for you. Like, the support that you've shown me. And the fact that, like, it's like an unquestioned loyalty of showing up the best that you can. Even if, even if in some ways it doesn't feel like it's enough to you or it doesn't feel like enough to me but I see that you show up and I know I focus on personal growth and self-awareness and like how to, you know, expand relationships and things like this. Like you are my inspiration. Thank you. And the way you showed up to my family since the minute you met them, I mean, honestly, even just showing up to the world, the minute you show up to it, right? Like dogs, <laughs> dogs, Dogs are happy to have you. My family, my friends, like it's just you put yourself out there. And and it's like you do follow your heart first. I think you do. And then you figure out what is going on after that. And you study hard. <laughs> but when you cause you, Yeah, because you just like your your pace of growth and exploration is the most impressive I have seen in anybody. 
Thank you. And that's the relationship you and I have always had. There's been tears. There's been a lot of hard conversations. And yet we are both, we both keep showing up because God damn it, if we're not going to learn from this, have fun and appreciate what the other person brings to our life. Yeah, I think I'm just like stuck on, like we've been such a big part of each other's lives for the past. But if both people want it to work, then you would want to put in the work to keep mm. it. And if you don't, well, then that's a different story. Yeah. For me to do what I'm going to do, um, it needs to be a breakup. But it does not mean that we don't play some sort of role in each other's lives. But it's very much a separation that is like, I don't know what then happens. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, has this been like a a gradual process for you, which in some ways I think is selfish for not just being upfront and honest with me. But maybe it wasn't intentional. Maybe it is. I don't know. This is literally on Thursday, like the day I called you. You're the first person I talked to about any of this. Like that's why I'm recording this is because I'm put, I'm, this is the first time I'm verbalizing any of this. And I didn't start it until Thursday night after that walk. You told me to go to Nose Hill. I went to Nose Hill and I sat there and I like worked through this to the point where I was like, I'm not running from something. This is just the last poke in my eye that I need to finally get off my ass and go throw myself into the vulnerability of the world and see what catches me. So no, it's not personal and it's not um, something that I've been hiding it's something that i'm literally sharing with you in real time again i don't have a plan i've got a few scraps of paper with a bunch of different ideas about different things i need to think about before and after i go so i mean for now we can just let this sit and i've kind of shared what i wanted to share and i think it would just take some time to unpack anyway and i'm open to that completely um, I'm still trying to do the same thing and I want to do that with you. So I, I mean, to me, that's a very important experience. This sudden acceleration of me leaving is a totally separate chapter that this is the beginning of. And there's parts of it that I would really like your help with and a team. And I don't know who I can count on for that, but, um, these next few weeks or a couple months, depending on how the timelines shake out, is going to be absolute insanity. And, um, it's going to be heart wrenching. It's going to be very painful. And I think it's also a very good thing in the long term. And so I'm having to do this thing where I like process for minutes. And then I also have to like work at it. I got a lot of shit to figure out. My passport's expired. <laughs> Yeah. And then just like how I handle the emotional connection is like, that was, I can't do that on a timeline. Neither can you. Let's just come back to this conversation. Yeah. I appreciate you having it. This is an important one. 
I love you.